We are in week three of our series we've been doing called Block Party. So if you're going to throw a block party, a couple reasons you're going to do it is because either A, you've got something to celebrate, or you've got a message that you want to communicate to your community. And so that's, that's true of us. That's why we're doing this series called Block Party. We've got something to celebrate, don't we? All right, we're going to work on our whole celebration thing. We got something to celebrate, and, uh, and we've got a message to communicate, a message of hope and love about Jesus that we've been given the opportunity to communicate to our community. And so that's what we're about. That's why, why we're doing this series called Block Party. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of knowing our story. We talked about why we need to know, not only know our story, but also be willing to share our story. And so hopefully you guys, maybe even a couple weeks ago, didn't know you had a story that really mattered. You didn't know what your story was. And, and now you're starting to embrace that and understand that Jesus is changing your life. Jesus, Jesus has set you free and Jesus is doing an incredible work in your life. And you've got a story to share. And then last week, Tyler spoke and did an amazing job, didn't he? You guys like Tyler? Man, what's the deal today? You guys have a rough day of school? Yeah, we need to get, get the coffee bar open tonight. So, uh, so Tyler did a great job last week. You never would have known that that was the first time he's ever spoken on this stage. Did a really great job. And challenged us, help us understand about our neighbor and help define who our neighbor is. And our neighbor, as the definition that he gave last week and that we talked about, was our neighbor is anyone that God brings across our path. That that's our neighbor. It's not just those that you like or those that you associate with. That our neighbor could be anybody that God brings across our path. It could even be somebody that you don't like all that much and you don't really like hanging out with and you wouldn't never really talk to them all that much. That the person that God may be calling you to impact that may be defining as your neighbor may be that person that you like the least. But it's important for us to know our neighbor and then to be willing to share our story with them. So that's what we've been talking about up to this point. Now tonight, we're going to talk about that third thing. If we're going to know our story and we're going to know our neighbor, then this next thing, we've got to also know what it is the heck we're supposed to do. Right? What are we trying to accomplish? We've got to know what our mission is. We've got to know what it is that God is calling us to do. So you think about that word mission, and that's a pretty important word, isn't it? Think about that soldier that goes to battle and doesn't know what their mission is. A soldier's in trouble. Maybe you play football, and Friday night you're going to run out on that football field, and you don't know what your mission is, and you don't know what your assignment is, and you don't know who you're supposed to block or who you're supposed to tackle or what you're supposed to do on a given play. You might cost your team a win, or you definitely won't be in the game very long. Right? Our knowing the mission is a really big deal. So for us, as followers of Jesus, we've got to know what our mission is as well. We've got to know what it is that God has called us to do. And so the really great thing is for any of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, whether it was last week or whether you put your, tr- your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior when you were a little kid, 
Once we've done that, God now gives us, along with everything that he does inside of us, of giving us a new heart and new power, and now the Holy Spirit that we just sang about now lives inside of us and gives us all of the resources that we need to live every single day as a follower of Jesus. Not only that, but God also gives us a mission to accomplish. And that mission that God has given us is to go and to tell other people about him. It's an important mission, an important enough mission that it was the last thing that Jesus said before he left earth. It was a mission that Jesus himself gave to you and I. And in Matthew 28, 19, here's what he says. And most of us have heard this and know this as the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Peace. I'm out. And he left. Go and make disciples. That's what Jesus tells us to do. So Jesus commands us to go and to, not only is it our responsibility now, we get a chance every day to become like Jesus and to know more about Jesus. But now Jesus is saying, I want you to go and to share me with other people. And I want you to go and help other people become more like me. That's the mission that God has given us. But I think there's a problem. Maybe for some of us in the room, as we just hear that, and hopefully it's not a widespread problem, but I will bet that in a room this size, there are some of us who are feeling some sort of way right now. When you hear the mission that God has called us to, if you claim to love Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus has rescued you and set you free from your sins, He's given you the mission of going and telling other people about him and helping them become like him. So we hear that. And I think the problem for many of us is we're just not all that interested in it. Maybe we hear that and for some of us it fires us up and we're like, dude, let's go. Man, let's go to Baltimore, let's go to Nicaragua, let's go to our school campus, let's go next door, let's do it all. Let's go everywhere and let's do this thing. But there's some of us that go, eh, that's cool, Jesus, like, appreciate the whole mission thing and all, but you know, I've got, I've got some other things that are just of more interest to me. I mean, we hear that mission and for some of us, we're just like, it's not really a mission that we want to we want to claim that we want to make our our own that we want to carry out. And even though God has given all of us a mission, we've either got to decide whether or not we're going to take action or whether we're going to sit around and do nothing. So the date was April the 14th, 1912. April 14th, 1912, and on this date, there was a ship that was the biggest ship that had ever been made, set sail for the very first time on its way from England to New York. This mighty ship called, you're so smart, the Titanic. The Titanic was thought by many people to be unsinkable. 
There were people in that day and time that looked at that ship and how it was made and some of the safeguards that were put into place. And they said, there is nothing that can take this ship down. But on that night of April 14th, in the icy waters of the North Atlantic, this massive unsinkable ship hit this giant iceberg. And in less than three hours, this ship that many said could never sink actually dropped beneath the ocean surface. There were 2,224 people aboard the Titanic that night. There were over 1,500 passengers and crew members that died in the frozen waters, including Leonardo DiCaprio. We've all heard the story, right? We know the Titanic. We've heard the stories. We've seen the movie, you know. We've even told our boyfriend and girlfriend, I will never let you go, right? Or let go. I will never let go. Screwed it up. Screwed the line up. Right? We know all about that, all right? We know all about the Titanic, but I will bet that many of us have not heard about the Carpathia and the Californian. So the Carpathia and the Californian on the night of April 14th, 1912, were two other ships that were also sailing in the North Atlantic Ocean. Now, the Carpathia was on its way from New York to Europe. And it was about 60 miles away when it received word that the Titanic had hit the iceberg. And as news started flooding in to the captain and to the crew, they understood that this mighty ship was about to go down. And so in that moment, the crew of the Carpathia had understood that before them, there was a mission. And that mission had one purpose and one purpose only, rescue. So they immediately changed course and they set sail and they headed in the direction of where the Titanic was. And putting their own ship in danger and they had to navigate around the other icebergs. But they arrived at the place where the Titanic was in about four hours. So the Titanic had already sunk at that point. But there were still people in the water and there were still people in lifeboats that needed to be rescued. So over the next five hours, the crew and the passengers aboard the Carpathia went around and they rescued 705 people out of the icy waters. 705 people that would have died if the Carpathia had not embraced that mission and come to the rescue. They had been given a mission and because they were willing to carry out that mission, they were able to rescue those people from death. Now, I mentioned there was a third ship that night, the Californian. So the Californian was also sailing in those waters that night, and they were on their way from England to Boston. And at the, at the time that the Titanic hit the iceberg, the Californian was just five miles away. There were crew members that actually said that they could see lights from another ship known to be the Titanic off in the distance. 
There were even one or two crew members that testified later that they saw what looked like to be rockets shooting up into the sky as some sort of distress signal. The the, uh, Californian had enough room on board that they could have rescued most, if not every single passenger aboard the Titanic. There were survivors that later said that uh, aboard the Titanic that said they saw the ship off in the distance and they sat there waiting to be rescued. Do you know what the Californian did? Nothing. They did absolutely nothing. Because of the dangers of the iceberg hitting their own ship, and just because of the risks involved, the captain aboard the Californian looked at the situation and he decided not to take any action. So as the Titanic sank, the Californian stood there and watched just a few miles away. It wasn't until the Carpathian came by and rescued the 705 people that then the the captain of the Californian decided to come in and try to help. But by that point, it was too late. And by the time they got to to the area, there was only just scattered wreckage and a few empty life vests. So one ship took action and the other ship didn't. One ship decided to embrace the rescue mission while the other ship sat just a few miles off and decided to do absolutely nothing. Now, some of us may sit there and we go, man, what a bunch of idiots. Like, why would they not do anything about it? Why was that, what a moron that captain must be. How could they just stand by when they could have rescued everybody? And this tragedy known as the, the Titanic, we never would have seen Jack die. He would have still be alive today. Right? None of that ever would have, would have never happened. It's, that's not really true, by the way. But none of that would have happened if the Californian had just rescued those people and done something and taken action. Why would they just stand by while all of those people died nearby? But you and I find ourselves in the exact same situation every single day. And many of us, as I said a few minutes ago, choose to do nothing. We choose to do nothing. There are so many parallels between that story of the Titanic, take Jack and Rose out of it. There's so many other parallels to that story and to you and I, you and me. We are, because of sin, because sin has entered into the world, you and I are all in, born in rough shape. And you and I are all drowning in the waters because of of our sin. But because of what Jesus has done for you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, Jesus came along and we've been pulled out of the water and we've been rescued. We've been set free from our sins. We've been given new life. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. Our lives are now no longer marked by sin, but now by life. But there are also now 14,000 high school students in our community who are still in the icy waters, who are still in need of being rescued, who still desperately need to be pulled out of the water and set free from their sin. 
And for you and I who have been rescued, we've now been given the mission of going out and rescuing others. We've not just been pulled onto the lifeboat so that we can kind of sail off and do our own thing. We now have an opportunity to look all around us and to pull other people into the lifeboat as well. You and I have an opportunity. We've been given a mission to go and to share the news of Jesus and to help other people become like Jesus. It's a mission, an opportunity that you guys and, and, and I myself have to help other people know who Jesus is. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20 says. Paul says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him or of bringing people to him. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Now you guys understand the significance of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you've been set free from your sin. God has rescued you. God has reconciled you. God has brought you to himself. And now, not only has he done that, but now he's now giving you that opportunity to do the same for somebody else. You now go out and you represent God. That's what an ambassador does. They go and they represent, they represent a government or somebody to other people who don't know about that government. So you and I have been given that task. We, we, are, we are God's ambassadors. We represent God. And God is making his appeal to the world through us. This is a mission that we can't afford to stand around and do nothing about. This is a mission that you and I can't afford just to stand by and be indifferent. We can't just shrug our shoulders and go, eh. This is a mission that is so critical, that is so important, that it is up to us. God has tasked us to represent him and to share the good news with 14,000 people in our community who need it. And we look at the captain and the people of the Californian as so heartless and cruel. And yet I wonder sometimes we just don't understand that we're in a lot of ways doing the same thing because we don't fully embrace this mission that God has given us. God has rescued us so that we can go and rescue other people. Rescued people are given a mission to help rescue people. All right? So that you don't just like gloss over that and tune me out. Let's say that together. Rescued people are given a mission to help rescue people. One more time. Rescued people are given a mission to help rescue people. You guys awake now? You awake? Listen. Don't just ignore that. Don't just be like, oh, that was pretty cool. That was so fun. All right, what's next? Like, we've got to embrace that. Rescued people are given the mission to help rescue people. That's what God has done for us, and he's called us to help and go do that with other people, for other people. So here's a question. How do we do that? How do we actually carry out this mission? How do I help rescue people? So what we've done is we've come up with just a simple acronym that 
helps us kind of understand what the, what the process is, what, what we're actually supposed to do, how we carry out this mission. Some of you guys may know this. We've talked about this before. It's an acronym called BLESS. All right, B-L-E-S-S, if you can't spell that. All right, BLESS. Here's what this stands for. Starts B, begin with prayer. It starts with you guys and all of us in prayer. Maybe you don't know who your neighbor is. Maybe as, we, as Tyler talked about that last week, you don't know who that neighbor is. And so you're praying for that neighbor. God, help me understand. Put that neighbor across my path. God, help me to understand who it is that you're calling me to rescue. So maybe your prayer that you're beginning with is you're just praying that God would reveal that person to you. Maybe you already know who that person is. Maybe you know who your neighbor is and it, maybe it makes you a little bit nervous and you're scared about it, but you at least know who your neighbor is. And so your prayer is you're asking on a supernatural God who can do the impossible, who we believe is in control, that he will do the simple task of bringing that neighbor across your path and giving you the opportunity to rescue them, to help share the good news with them. But we're beginning with prayer. We're either praying that God would reveal who that person is or we're praying for that person if we already know who they are. All right, that's the B. L is listen. Listen. So as God reveals who that person is, you're trying to build a relationship with that person. And it's a whole lot easier to do that by listening than it is by talking. We're really good talkers. We're not always that good of listeners. And if we would just open our ears, there are people all throughout our community who are desperately crying out for help. And maybe they don't know that's what they're doing and maybe it's not a a verbal thing, but the way that they're living and as you look at their life, they are crying out for help. And it's our responsibility for those neighbors that God brings across our path to listen to them, to ask them questions, to listen to their story, to listen to their struggles to hear about their views about God. Rather than cramming the truth down their throat and saying, just shut up and let me tell you this message that I've got to tell you, we're just listening to them. We're allowing them to share their life and their story with us. And then the E part is eat. All right, this is the fun part. We all like to eat. So Jesus always... That's, that's how he did his ministry, was he ate with people. He went over to people's houses. He hung out with them. He ate meals with them. He laughed with them. He talked with them. And it was over those meals. I mean, everybody loves to eat. Everybody's got to eat. So as we're listening to them, we're looking for opportunities just to build a relationship. That's really what that, that the eat part sound is, is, is all about, is building that relationship. So it may mean for you that you're, going to Starbucks with that person. And again, you're just trying to listen to them. You're trying to understand more about, you're trying to build that relationship with that person. All right, Starbucks counts or Dunkin' Donuts if you're really spiritual. All right, or that fast food place. Or maybe for you guys, maybe the best place for you is your own cafeteria. 
And while you're eating that delicious cafeteria food every day, man, maybe one of the greatest mission fields that you guys have is your own school campus and lunchtime. Because you see those students who are sitting off by themselves. You see those people that God's like, what else do I have to do? You know, drop a big light beam right down in front of them. You know, flashers, like everything to show you, like this is the person that I want you to impact and reach. And for us to open our eyes and just to go over and sit with that individual and begin to develop a relationship with that person. But over the course of us eating and sharing a meal with them, we've got an opportunity to build that relationship with them and learn how we can take action in their life and how we can serve them. And then the S is serve. As we get a chance to hear their story and get to know them and their life and the struggles they face and the situations they're dealing with and what their family situation looks like and what they're going through, then we just look for those opportunities to serve them. We look for those chances that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And rather than us making our lives so selfish and focused on the things that we want, we look for an opportunity to serve somebody else. And as we're serving them, we are communicating God's love to them. And we haven't even preached to them yet. We haven't even maybe shared the gospel with them yet. But we are even by our actions, we are communicating God's love to them. And then that last S, that last opportunity is that we get a chance to share our story. So as you've done that work ahead of time and you've prayed for God to reveal that person and then you've started developing a relationship and you've listened to them and you've heard about their story and you've invited them and you've paid for a Starbucks and you've started talking to them and then you've looked for that opportunity to serve them and then that, that opens the door for you to share the love of Jesus and what God has done in your life. And they're looking at you going, why do you care so much? Why are you going to such an extent to build a relationship with me and to serve me and do these things? What, what's your agenda? What are you doing? And we get a chance to share the love of Jesus and to help them become more like him. We get a chance to share the story of what God is doing and has done in our life and how he has changed our heart and he can do the same for them. So bless, begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve them, and then share your story. And in the end, it comes down to that mindset and that mission that's the reason why we're doing it is because rescued people have been given a mission to help rescue people. Here we go, ready? One, two, three. Rescued people have been given a mission to help rescue people. All right, so here's the question. Here's the question tonight. Are you and I willing to take action or are we gonna stand around and do nothing? As 14,000 teenagers within a 10 mile radius of your teammates and your classmates and your neighbors and your coworkers 
don't know the hope and the life that Jesus offers them? Are you just going to show up here every single week and try to stay in your Christian bubble and tune out the world around you and the needs and the opportunities that God has placed before you and brought across your path? Or are you willing to take action? Are you willing to embrace the mission that God has put before us? Are you willing to do something about it? And if we will know our story and embrace it, if we will know who our neighbor is, and we will know and embrace the mission that God has put before us, then God will use us in some unbelievable ways to help other people who don't know Jesus come to understand the hope and life that he offers. And either we shrug our shoulders in indifference or we step forward and we take action. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that you would challenge us in a way that we are never the same. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the needs of people all around us. And God, sometimes because we don't know our story or because we don't know our neighbor or we refuse to associate with our neighbor, we shrug our shoulders of indifference and refuse to do nothing while there are people all around us who are lost in their sin. God, I pray that you would burden our heart like it has never been burdened before. God, that you burden our heart like you have burdened our heart for Nicaragua or like you burden our heart for Baltimore. And God, those trips are a part of it, but God, those are not it. That's not the only thing. God, every single day, tomorrow, as we go through the halls of our school campus, there's a mission that you've put before us. God, even for so many of these students, as they go home tonight, there's a mission that you've put before them. And God, for our family members or our classmates or our teammates or our coworkers or those people who we walk next to every single day, God, I pray that you would burden our heart for them, that we would be willing to take action. God, I pray for students in the room tonight who right now in this moment, God, have never put their faith and trust in you. God, they are lost in their sin and they are in that water and they need to be rescued. God, I pray that tonight that you would pull them to safety. God, that they would admit their sin, that they would put their faith and trust in you. They would receive the forgiveness that you offer. God, help us to take action. Help us to do something about it. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.